the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Peace in an Anxious World as anxiety affects millions of people here in America. And this may be a message and series just for you. Anxiety and fear can be an immobilizing force in our lives, both externally and internally. Fear is not our friend, so fear not. Keep listening. You're going to hear how we can learn to live free from the tyranny of fear. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series all available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. Today it's part one of the message called The Obstacle of Fear. Pastor Sean is starting off in John chapter 14. It's time for Reaching for Real Life. Now in our first week we learned this. We learned that God knows we live in an anxious world, but he's made a way for us to choose peace instead. And we talked about, about, we showed some statistics just showing how much anxiety is increasing and what's happening and how much that's affecting us. And we looked at the word of God and saw that God has an alternate plan. Last week we learned, actually we looked at a book that, just, I think, if you struggle with anxiety, this is a book you should look at. You can get it now on Amazon. It just came out last week, and I was able to get a pre-release copy. It's by J.P. Moreland, and it's about his struggle with anxiety. And J.P. Moreland, if you were here last week, you know, he's like a, a very well-known, best-selling author, professor, Ph.D., Christian thought leader, just a really neat man who struggles with anxiety. And I think that that resonated with people because it I think sometimes we think, if well, if I struggle with anxiety, then something's wrong with me. I want to suggest there are, you're not alone, and there are lots of people who wrestle with anxiety for different reasons, and his story was really impactful. But what we learned, and that we really did, we looked at it this way, God created us body, soul, and spirit. Freedom from anxiety will involve new habits in all three. And we did. We talked about the physiological aspects. We talked about the soul, the mind, the emotions, and the will. And we talked about the spirit. In all three areas, there are habits that we find can help us be less susceptible to being overrun by stress and anxiety. Now, I want to distinguish this morning between anxiety and fear, because I think we sometimes use them interchangeably, and they, they are distinct. They are very similar and can cause many of the same issues and symptoms, but they do have an important difference. Anxiety, as we talk about, is a more general or vague apprehension. It's more general or vague Fear is far more specific. Actual things that you fear happening or you fear confronting. That's really the distinction. They feed off each other. The truth is fear will amplify anxiety and anxiety will amplify fear. And it can create this cycle. But they are distinct. Corey Tenboom had a kind of cool quote I want you to take a look at. Worry is a cycle of inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. Worry is a cycle of inefficient, that's a really important idea, inefficient thoughts. It doesn't help. 
doesn't really, it, it's not necessarily rational at times. It doesn't move you down the path towards overcoming and towards freedom. A cycle of inefficient thoughts whirling around a center of fear. Fear can be crippling. And I want to say that's what we're going to talk about today because we live in a world that is unbelievably afraid and it's getting worse all the time. Really. Stop and think about just the, the broad general consensus. And we've talked about this before, but we need to say it again. Something about our technology has allowed us to be afraid about everything. I mean, we're raising a generation of people that are just becoming even panicky over things that, that maybe they're issues to be discussed, maybe they're things to be worked on. The, the, the whole climate change conversation. There are children who are afraid for their very lives like right now, because of the conversations about climate change. We have to understand, young people today, they've been raised with the, the, the reality of terrorism. And understand, everything is amplified because we hear about every incident, all of us, at the same time. So things that happened and have existed and have been around for years, they're amplified because we all receive the, all the news, all the stories, all the time. And it messes with us. I want to say as we talk about fear, uh, I just want to lay something out on the line. I'm basically going to offend everyone today. Sorry. If I somehow overlook you and don't offend you, please, no, it wasn't intentional. I meant to offend you as well. Stop and think about when you talk about fear, we're, most of the time we're projecting what could happen. Most of the things we fear haven't happened yet, and most never will come to pass. That's just statistically true. Most of them haven't happened yet. They most never will come to pass, and it's about the future, which, of course, we know we're not even guaranteed the future. But yet so much of right now is weighed down and torn at because of this fear. I think one of the things we are fearful about is our safety and security. As I read and I look around and I study, I just wonder how much freedom we'll give up in our attempt to guarantee our safety. How far will we go? I mean, I I think it's great to be safe. I don't think you should be careless or anything like that. I like car seats as much as the next guy, right? Who doesn't? But we keep increasing the age and the weight of where a kid needs to be in a car seat. When I see some poor 15-year-old kid coming out of a minivan... He's got acne, and he's coming out of a car seat, puts his helmet down back on the seat. And he's arguing with his mom, am I going to have to use the car seat when I take driver's ed next year? What am I going to do? Come on, something's wrong. I contrast to that to how we were raised, okay? I'm about to go papa here. I grew up at a farm training horses. We had pickup trucks. Our seats were in the back. I mean, seriously, and I grew up outside of Chicago, so we're on the interstate in the back of a pickup truck. You know, and they never said, kids, buckle up. It's like, kids, hang on. <laughs> Wait a minute, weren't there four of you back there? Now there's just three. Oh, well, we, we can make more. <laughs> you saw it earlier, we can make more. I mean, you know, it, I understand reasonable precaution, but we're so afraid. We're so afraid of everything. Think about it. Every time something happens and there's a shooting, we all get all the news all at the same time, and the whole gun control debate springs up. Do you know both sides of those? And the anger and the emotion behind all of it is all about fear on both sides. Those who are stocking up on guns and ammo, fear. 
Those who are terrified of law-abiding citizens having guns? Fear. That's why there's so much emotion in all our debates. It's fear. See, safety and security are fine, but folks, here's the deal. One day we're all going to die. It's just true. That's just a fact. And to borrow from Mel Gibson's recreation of William Wallace, the question is whether or not we ever really live. What does all the fear cost us? Think about that. What is it costing us, this fear? Most of the political debate, and we've talked a lot about how, how angry it is. It's like it's ramped up to a different level. The root of that is fear. We're terrified. And I think we are rightly concerned about the moral and economic future of the U.S., but is the fear helping? Are we really making things better by all the fear? Half the country's terrified that the government won't be able to take care of them, while the other half is terrified that the government's going to take everything from them. Is the fear helping? Parents are terrified about their kids. Thus we have the helicopter parents hovering and obsessing over every area of our kids' lives. And, I mean, it's like bad. You know, school, sports, the diet, college. Um, I have to tell you, I was listening this week to a podcast where they're talking about just different kids and the generations and how people respond and generationally. And there are companies having to have, and this is true, having to, uh, the problem of dealing with, these are adults, young adults, but their parents coming and interacting with the boss, trying to act like their kid's agent. The mom is the agent, okay? Moms, I'm sorry, I said I'd offend everybody, and it's on your day. I probably should take it easy on you. But come on, mom, really? Your 27-year-old son? Excuse me, sir, my mom wants to talk to you. That's just weird, she didn't think my pay raise was enough. That's messed up. <laughs> Some of you are like, well, I want to explain why I'm doing it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Pastor Sean, are we going to get a rebuttal? No, you're not. <laughs> I mean, the school, the sports, the diet, the college. I remember, some of you may remember back a few years ago when the H1N1, the swine flu thing, was a big deal. Remember? And everyone was worried about that. Well, New Braunfels had a couple of scares. I mean, there may have been a case or a couple of scares. And so all the schools were shutting down and all the churches were now getting pressure to shut down. Don't have church. And we have, we now have a church. We've planted that as a church in New Braunfels out of this church. And, but at the time it was a multi-site. It was a, a, a satellite campus of our church. They used video venue. And so we were getting calls. Are, you, are we going to shut down? We, everyone's shutting down church. Are we going to shut down church this weekend? And this was like new to me. Like, are you kidding me? Because it wasn't like it was everywhere in New Braunfels and people were lying in the streets. Okay? There was a possible case, but all the schools and churches shutting down. And so the person who's calling me, and, and it's like, and by the way, this is a really important principle. It's like, if you aren't afraid, you're irresponsible. If you're not afraid, then you're irresponsible. And so that's what the pressure I was getting. And in a moment of clarity, I, I just asked this question. I said, okay, wait a minute, hold on. Okay, you want us to close down. Um, is Walmart closing down? That was my question. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't think so. How about the movie theater? Is the movie theater closing down? No. In fact, we were hoping you'd close church so we could go to the movies later. <laughs> mm, I'm going to give them right there. Right there. 
From that point on, when people ask if we're closing, that's our response. Is Walmart closing down or are the movie theaters closing down? It's a pretty good rule of thumb. When they close down, then I'm like, okay, some, this is the apocalypse, all right? Run for, run for your lives. Every man for himself. But it's like, if you're not afraid, then you're irresponsible. And I'm like, that's messed up. Think about it. What causes more health problems? Not eating organic vegetables or stressing over eating organic vegetables? Or the stress over paying for the organic vegetables? Now that's, that's the one. That does. I'm feeling, I'm feeling anxious right now. <laughs> And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Obstacle of Fear. It's all in the series, Peace in an Anxious World, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast Podcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, The Obstacle of Fear. This is Reaching for Real Life. We obsess over insurance, prevention, protection. And again, I understand common sense precautions, but we've got to be careful. We've got to also understand there's people with motives trying to sell us things. A while back, I was at a, uh, just a, it was a gathering of business people, and a human resources consultant spoke. And I, as I sat and listened, every single thing that she said was designed to make me, as someone who employs people, afraid and then her service would, would take care of it for me. I wouldn't have to be afraid anymore. It was actually a really good presentation. You know, because, and, and, but I realized everything you're, you're saying is designed to present a fear that I, I, I have to have, and then you have the solution for a fee. I can calm your fear for a fee. And you've got to understand, those kind of things work on people. When we first started out the ministry, we were flat broke. I mean, we didn't have any money. We weren't getting paid. And this chiropractor, okay, had a marketing thing. He'd give you a free dinner if you listened to his spiel, right? So we took the free meal. Lori and I went. Willie and Rachel went with us. It was great. You know, good meal. Guy gets up. He's got diagrams. He's got a little thing of a, a little model of a spine. He's got a little slideshow. He's got statistics. He starts giving his presentation. And as he's talking, my back starts to hurt. You know, I've, I grew up riding horses, play polo very hard on your back. It's an impact. Oh, God. Oh, the more he talked, the more he talked. I, I, I didn't know if I was going to make it. <laughs> They'd probably have to re- resuscitate me. I mean, it was getting so bad. I, I literally, my back was hurting. Oh, oh, I set an appointment with him. He got me for an appointment. And as I'm, oh, Lori had to drive home. Help me out, honey. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it. 
all that night, oh, my back, oh, God. Next morning, I was fine. <laughs> I called and canceled. <laughs> but, but it's like, oh, my gosh, look at how open to suggestion we are. And that's what salespeople do. And the biggest thing they throw at us is fear. And sometimes they play on a fear. Sometimes they create a fear that wasn't even there. Did you know? And if you're not afraid, you should be. Imagine not being afraid for a minute. Just think about that. Think about being a person who's just not afraid. How do you control a person who's not afraid? You know how many people try to control us through fear? Not just salespeople, not just advertisers, but companies, employers, politicians, all the time. People trying to throw out fear and trying to stoke the fl- fan the flames of fear and then control people by offering the solution to our fears. Imagine not being afraid and not being able to be controlled like that. Imagine not being afraid and not being able to be manipulated like that. Imagine not living with stress all the time because you're not afraid. Or not having, as we talked about last week, that low-grade anxiety because of all these different fears that we're wrestling with. See, I think that's what God wants to set us free from. That's why we're talking about fear. I love this passage. We read it a couple weeks ago. Jesus speaking in John 14, 27. Look what he says. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Our whole premise of our series is peace in an anxious world. God wants us to walk in peace. Jesus is offering peace. And look what he says. I do not give to you as the world gives. This is a different kind of peace. This isn't just a ceasefire. This isn't just kind of some calming words or some meditation techniques to help you get your heart rate down. This is something different. He wants us to have real peace. And then look what he says. This peace that I'm going to give you that is not like anything else the world offers or not like anything else you've seen. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be what? Afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. See, I think it's one of the biggest obstacles in our pursuit of peace. He wants us to live in peace. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Jesus gives a peace that's like no other. But if we're going to walk in that, we've got to decide, are we going to obey what he says here? In fact, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. It's hard to find peace when you're enslaved by fear. Say no to fear. It's hard to find peace when you're enslaved by fear. Say no to fear. Can you say that with me? Say no to fear. And what I want to suggest is some people, as I even am saying that, are like, well, Sean, that's pie in the sky. Fear is a part of life. I can't just say no to fear. Well, I want you not to tell me that. I want you to tell Jesus that. Because he's the one saying, he's the one saying something in a different scripture. Okay, he's the one saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He's the one telling you. And I don't think Jesus is just kind of saying words off the top of his head carelessly that he doesn't mean. I want to suggest if he says it is possible for our hearts not to be troubled and it is possible for us to not be afraid, then it is possible. And I think he wants to give us some insight how. Because, I, I, again, if, we, if you kind of are here and you stipulate, okay, Sean, I, I, I get it. I don't think God wants me to live as a, as a victim of fear. He doesn't want me to live as a prisoner of fear. And I'll stipulate. I guess it's possible. If Jesus said, do not be afraid, I, I'll stipulate it's theoretically possible to not be afraid. But how do I do that? 
How do I actually do that? Well, I think Paul gives us some very practical insight in 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there. 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to begin reading at verse 3. Remember who Paul's talking to. Timothy is a young pastor, okay? He's a young pastor of a Christian church. Now, to the world around them, Christianity is a brand new religion in their mind. Paul and the Jews who founded the Christian church, it was all Jewish originally, they didn't see it as a new religion. They saw it as the ultimate fulfillment and expression of what God intended from Judaism all along. They saw Jesus as the promised Messiah of Judaism. So they, did, they didn't see a new religion coming. They saw this new expression of our faith through our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And this is God's plan for redemption for the whole world. It was always his plan. Even when he said to Abraham, that I'm going to bless you and I'm going to bless the whole world through you. Well, the fulfillment of that is in Jesus Christ. So they saw it, but the world around them saw it as a brand new thing. And even among the Jews, this idea of the church was totally a new, different expression. So Timothy's doing something that really nobody had done before. Paul is coaching him, he's training him, he's discipling him, but he's also having to deal with fear. In Timothy, honestly, there's a very real issue of this is something brand new. There's persecution. The church had been dispersed out of Jerusalem. And so this is a real thing. This isn't like, oh, you know, hypothetical. No, there were real things that Timothy probably wrestled with when it comes to fear. And so Paul speaks to that in the context of this passage, beginning at verse 3 of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. Look at what he says. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Make note of that phrase, sincere faith. You can underline that. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well, this sincere faith. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He's talking about ordination. This gift of God is really that flame, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and the calling that God had for Timothy to be a pastor. The whole idea of ordination was Paul, as the apostle of the church, one of the apostles of the church, recognizing the gifting and the calling in Timothy and the laying on the hands was conferring that authority for leadership. That's what, or, that's what ordination is. But he's saying, I want you to fan into flame the gift, that faith, that sense of God's spirit, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, and, and look at this verse, and I want you to note it. Some of you need to memorize this verse. Verse seven, for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control another translation says of a sound mind a sound mind god gave us a spirit not of fear but of power love and self-control let me take a moment to pray for us because i want us to hear what god wants to say through this lord i pray that you would speak to us help us to hear your word i pray that your spirit would move and and just give us wisdom and insight and then give us the courage to follow in obedience as you lead. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So he talked about, he says, I remember, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. 
And what's interesting is he then says, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So I, I really want to suggest these two paradigms. Faith, fear. And they are two absolutely different ways of looking at the world. Most of us have been trained, socialized, conditioned to look at the world through fear, lens of fear. And what I want to suggest is Paul is commending the sincere faith. He wants him to fan that into flames, not the fear. And I'm afraid all too often what we fan into flames is fear. What the world around us fans into flame, what media and advertisers fan into flame, what news fans into flame. There's all kinds of things trying to fan our fear from a smoldering kind of thing or a small little flame into a brush fire that ultimately takes over every part of our life. And Paul is saying, no, 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 I want you to fan the flame, the gift, the spirit, and the faith that comes with it. There's these two opposite set of lenses that we can look at the world with. And we all have lenses. And all of a sudden you can look at through lens of fear and everything you see becomes a threat. Or put on the different set of lenses that God's presence, his word, his spirit offers us. And while you're looking at the same things, and I'm going to say it five times this message, I'm not talking about rose-colored glasses. I'm not talking about delusion. I'm not, not talking about denial. Oh, there's nothing bad. Everything's rosy. I'm not talking about that. You put that lens of faith on, you're looking at the same things. That's real. That challenge is real. That, that issue is real. But you're looking at through lens of faith, and it changes everything. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Peace in an Anxious World, It's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.